this morning, let's pray. I, I know there's some people that have been in the hospital, but we're praying that they come out of the hospital. Pray for Destiny Chadwick. We're praying for Jim Melton Barger. Let's pray. Father, today, God, you are God. And Father, we allow you to be God in our lives that, God, that we open up our hearts and we say, God, pour in your word so that, God, that we might see God through come out, that we're obedient to what you have asked us to do, and, Father, that we might see that. Father, also we pray for these people in our church that we love so much that couldn't be here today, that, Father, we believe in healing. In your name we pray this. Amen. An older farmer had a lot of land, and he had a nephew that had gone through college and was considered one of the smartest men that he had ever, you know, that ever had gone through that college and graduated. And so the the nephew said, you know, uncle, you own a farm, and I'm about ready to start my business, and I want to know if we could go on a camp out. And his uncle said, a camp out? Would Would you actually go out? Yeah, I'd love to camp out. So the the farmer and his nephew went out and they camped out. And in the middle of the night, the farmer woke up and kind of was startled. And he kind of bumped his nephew and said, look up. And the young man looked up and saw the stars out. And he said, the uncle said, what does that say to you? And this smart young man said, you know, uncle... If you look at it astronomically, it means that God is the creator of all those galaxies. And meteorotically, or meteorotic, you know the word I'm trying to say. It means that God has created all that, and it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Theologically, it means that our God loves us and has provided all this for our enjoyment. And then the young man looked at his grandpa, or his uncle and kind of bumped him and said, what does that say to you, uncle? And uncle kind of shook his head and said, it says to me someone stole our tent. <laughs> Sometimes missing the obvious is where we are as believers when we understand, and we've been going through this series on being a blessing and how God has blessed us in order to be a blessing, that, that we realize that, you know, sometimes we get in a, in a mode of thinking that if God is blessing us, it's all for us. And, and some of us that are, you know, we've heard different people say different things. We, we tend to get either pious where we go, oh, I don't know, Pastor, if, it's, if I am blessed. Or, or we might get to the point where we think it's selfish to be blessed. But let me tell you, there is a need, let me tell you, in our world for Christians to be obvious to the world that are around us that God is working in and on us and through us to a world that is desperately in need of us. Thank you, Gwen. The Millers are in agreement this morning for that. Okay, no more chilling church for you. You're always in here saying amen. Now listen to this verse in Psalm 67. Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face shine on us. Well, is that good for you and me? Why do we pray that? 
So that, it says, so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all the nations. We're praying that God blesses us to be a blessing to the people that are in our circle of friends and people that will come in and out of those circle of friends and they can just be able to see you. Let me, let me say this, and, and it sounds so cliche, but, but they should be able to see Jesus working in your life. Not that you're perfect, did you hear me? But that God is working in and through your life in an obvious way in what is needed in that circumstance that problem, people are able to see that God has worked it through your life or is working in and through your life. Years ago, the uh, there was another uh, report that another group had gone to the top of Mount Everest. And if you've ever studied that uh, climb, uh, it is just almost absurd to think that people could actually start it at a base camp and climb to the top of the tallest mountain in the world. The weather is different than anywhere else, and it's constantly changing and unpredictable. And those that climb to the top usually will go into training either either more, let me say it again, more than a year just to be able to have the conditioning and everything to support it, to be able to climb all the way to the top. A lot of people never make it. There's some people that never made it and actually are still on the mountain. Frozen. There was a group that went to the top and, and came down and it was it was so it was so hard that some of some of the team didn't even make it. They they quit and came back. And they had a report on 60 minutes and the reporter went up to the leader of the group and and, and kind of in a way a news reporter can do that, kind of started twisting things to make it almost sound crazy that anybody would attempt that. And and he Asked the leader, he goes, why would you do all that and, and overcome the danger and do all that training in it to climb the mountain? And I thought it was interesting when I heard this, that the leader of the group kind of looked at that reporter and said, I guess you've never been to the top of the mountain. See, a lot of people will never go to the top in their life, will never experience all that God has for them, but they'll just criticize those people trying. This morning, if you've been in church more than a few years, hopefully you've read about the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, and it was a big time in Jesus' life because all these people that had gathered around wanted to know who he was. And he was talking about how to have a blessed life. But it was, it was so in contrast with what was going on in the world at that time. It, it, was, it was almost absurd. People would go, wow, did you hear that? So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read it out of the message in a way that maybe you haven't heard it before. But, but in a way that will kind of maybe show you that in our life, when we're looking to follow God, and God says, these are the ways that you're blessed, it kind of goes against, a lot of times, if we're not careful, our belief system. I'm going to read it, and then we'll, we'll talk about it, but it starts in verse 1. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him, Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. We'll talk about this. In verse 3, it says, this is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. 
with less of you, there is more of God in his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. If you have your notes there that was passed out, look at verse 5. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Then verse 6 says, you're blessed when you're worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever have. We've been talking about lordship. And the lordship of Jesus Christ is when you come to make Jesus the savior of your life. A lot of people say, you know what? I I can't see, taste, touch, feel. I, I, I can't really experience God with my actual senses, but I feel him in my heart. Therefore, I put my faith in him. But when they hear sometimes that they can spend eternity, there's a love factor that'll switch over and, and they'll say, you know, I, I want to be with him for eternity. And then there's some that says, you mean if I believe in him, I won't perish? And you say perish means fire? Yeah, yeah, sign me up. I want him savior of my life. But there's a whole nother season and hopefully it's the season when you make that decision, but that season when you come into realizing that he is requiring to be Lord of your life. That is the authority of Jesus trumps your belief system at that moment and throughout your life. We all have a belief system and out of our belief system we make choices and out of our choices it puts us in experiences. And a lot of times we're living a life that just don't feel right. It's not right. It's just always a conflict. And let me me encourage you that sometimes like that smart man looking out and seeing, oh, he's seeing all these things but missing the obvious. Somebody stole their tent. This morning I want to take us through this and just give you a reminder about some of the weeks we've talked about before we start is when, when the fact that the betrayal of Jesus took place in Judas's life. Do you remember us talking about that a few weeks ago where When Jesus says, I'm going to the cross in a few days, and it really hits the disciples. In that moment, it kind of hit them when they realized, I don't think I signed up for this. I thought I was going to be a great in your kingdom, Jesus. I thought we were going to overcome the Romans. I thought we're going to, when that mindset hit, all of a sudden there was a conflict between the lordship of Jesus and their own belief system. So Judas, from that time on, looked for a way or a time to betray Jesus. It happened different in Peter's life. Because when that belief system hit the fact that Jesus was taken into arrest, all of a sudden he denied Jesus. Lordship of Jesus working in and through our life. I want to give us, and a lot of times I don't do points, point one, two, three, but today I wanted to give five points and so that you would not have any way that it was not clarified. I want you to write in your notes kind of that missing blank that I did, seems now, a hundred years ago. We used to do these. But this morning I want us to see this as this part of the series of being blessed. Five ways to live in the blessing. And it goes against, a lot of times, our our belief system. And I want, I want to bring that out constantly because every time that we read one of these points, just ask yourself, have I 
been walking in this? Or have, is this kind of a, uh, you know what I mean? There, there's something about when the word of God comes to us, we want to read it. If, it. if we disagree, we read it real fast. The parts that we just want to savor and love, we read real slow and meditate on. But have you ever got to a place where it spoke to you and you go, ooh, I don't know if I... Kind of feels like wearing a shirt that's two sizes too small. You know, you kind of, ugh, I just feel... Taking a shower with your socks on. Come on. Just don't feel... Ugh. Some of these points might feel like that. It's okay. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you today because... I believe that all of us want to live in the blessing. This passage of Scripture says that you're blessed when. It's totally different than Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck if. This is Jesus saying you're blessed when. This is the Lordship of Jesus speaking to us. This is when you're blessed. The first thing I want you to see is you're blessed when you make an effort to spend time with Jesus. And this, this is kind of obvious, but the first part of it, I want you to see. He climbs the mountainside after being down by the lake, and, and he climbs the mountainside. And, and I want you to see this, because the, the passage of Scripture that I read first, it says when, his, when he's drawing huge crowds, he climbs a hillside, and it says those that were apprenticed to him, those people that actually said, I believe in the Lordship, and I want to be taught... I want to be more than just hearers. I want to be doers of the word of God. They're apprenticed to him. It says, they committed and climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught, I love this, his climbing companions. Climbing companions. If you haven't figured this out yet, let me just give you a revelation. Everything worthwhile in life is going to be up. Uphill. It's going to be something that we have to take part in. It's not something that you just sit on the couch and it rains down. All of our hopes, our faith, all of our dreams are uphill. And our world that we live in are going to be speaking against those. Nobody ever wrote a book on how to just slide your way down to success. You don't have people that are interviewed and you go, how did you do all that in your short life? You know what? I had no clue. No clue. I just kind of woke up one day and it happened. They don't go to the people that climb the huge mountains and say, what happened? I don't know. I was just chasing a butterfly and I'm at the top of the mountain. You know, there, there's something about when you get to that place when somebody says, do you want to go higher than you are right now? Because there's something inside that all of us say, yes. But that's just motivation. The discipline comes out of the motivation, and it's up to all of us to be disciplined to do it. You know, uh, I have a mentor in my life, and I remember uh, years ago, uh, his name is Bob Schaefer, and and Pastor Bob just just is he he's just a loving man. He'll be eighty uh, four years old this year, and and 
the first couple times I heard him was in a in a you know a big auditorium with people and and I thought man what a guy and and my cousin that's a minister in uh, Amarillo and one of them's a minister in Cleburne and they said hey uh, we're going to get together with him and allow him just to kind of speak into our life and encourage us do you want to go yes well we're going to meet on this day I think or the, yes yes I'm in. And I remember after going and, and allowing him to speak into my life, how I began to see things differently. And I, I remember the next time he called me and said, would you like to come to the... Yes. Yes. But today I'm talking about someone that's greater than a mentor of mine, that's more famous than anybody that you know. We're talking about the creator of the universe has a desire to be with you. He says, I just want to hang out with you. I want you to realize, uh, and I want to put up the, the passage, if you have it, Angel, at the, it, that I was going to put at the end of the message. But listen to this. In Psalms chapter 27, verse 8, this is one of the, message, or one of the uh, passages of Scripture that I refer back to so many times in my life. In, in Psalms 27, verse 8, in the Living Bible, it says, My heart has heard you say... Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Some of you need to write that verse down. Because you know that at times you miss God and being with him. Again, this first point is make an effort to spend time with Jesus. You don't have to get three Bibles and two commentaries and one concordance and get it all spread out so that you can spend time. That, that might be okay too, but, but just get alone with God. Some of you drink coffee and you're going to heaven. But in the mornings is a great time because you can find a place before the world wakes up, so to speak, before you get into your daily routine and just spend time alone with Him. Some of us need to realize that it, there is no system that's right, but you could turn on some worship music. Maybe some of you could get another translation in the Bible that might be a little bit more understanding than thou for it shall thou over thou there. And just allow God to speak to your life in the morning. You're blessed when you make an effort to spend time with Jesus. The second thing that I want you to see in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you're blessed when you admit your need for God. Now again, a lot of us that have been in church, we go, well, of course I need God. But do we do it on a regular basis where we say, God, I have to have you. Listen to what it says. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Are you kidding me? God, God, that feels so conflicting. When I'm at the end of the rope, I'm blessed? Because I sure like to be on the top of the mountain instead of in the valley sometimes. But what he's saying is, when you're at that place, there's less of you. Do, do you remember the first time when you're growing up and you're 18 and you think, I wish I had all life's problems because I have all life's answers? Please, stand in line. I can give them to you. 
But do you remember that first time that you realized you really don't know as much as you thought you did? I'm there occasionally. And admitting your need for God is admitting the lordship of Jesus Christ working in and through your life of saying, God, I have to have you. And the times that you need him and you say, God, I need you right now. And I'm at the end of my rope. Seems like a time that you have procrastinated. But God says, no, no, no. That's exactly when there's less of, or less of you and more me. See, a lot of times we get all caught up in the problem and you, you begin to look for other people to speak into your life just on the basis of their opinion instead of the Word of God. Do you know what I found out in the Bible? Trust me, I'm a minister. I went to college. Some people might say I'm a theologian. Trust me in this. This is news. All the miracles in the Bible had something in common. Ready? This is profound. They all had a problem. And the miracle happened because of Jesus in solving the problem. So this morning, if you are in the place where you go, man, I, I got to have God, but you know what? I'm almost giving up. The good news is you having a problem, you're a candidate for a miracle happening in your life. Let, let me just, let me just get, have, do you have anybody here beside me have a problem going on in your life right now? Let's say, look around, look around. If you have a hand up right now, you're a candidate for a miracle. That's the good news. The only people that don't need things working in through your life, the only people that think, think, think they don't need God is the people that don't have any problems. You know, a lot of times we'll have people come up and pray for you, you know, the needs and things in your life. Maybe we ought to do it different today. Well, what if we, what if we did this? We're going to pray for all the people that don't have problems. We're going to lay hands on you and God give them a problem today. <laughs> How to be blessed. Can, can I say it again? Admitting that you need God. And just because you have a problem doesn't draw you away or shouldn't push you away from God. It should say, God, I, I got to have you. The third thing. Through your losses... Through your losses, allow God to love you. Now, again, you think that this is so common occurrence that people go, well, sure, that's common sense. But a lot of times, through their losses, they'll blame God or they'll question the lordship of God's authority in their life, and it pushes them away. They get hard. They get bitter. Look at verse 4. It says, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Here's what I found out is a lot of times when sin comes into a person's life that is a believer or a follower of Christ and they, they've sinned, they, they can't even sometimes experience the grace of God and they come back to God eventually. If they come back to God, they'll say with low expectations, like God doesn't know, God, I messed up. I think that one of the most loved stories in the Bible is the prodigal son because we all can identify with the grace that God shows through this sermon. But here's the son, and he's been, you know, he's the arrogant one. He's the smart guy that thinks if I can get my inheritance now, you know, he'd be the guy that would get his lottery winnings right now, 
because I know how to do it better than anybody. So he gets the inheritance and he, he takes it and he thinks, I can do better than my father. And he goes out and you know the story, so I don't want to get it in detail, but I want you to see that here's a guy that gives, I mean, really gives it away foolishly. Every time that he said yes, he was saying no to what the father had taught him. But he comes again that he's at the end of his rope, which we said that is when you're blessed. And now he's in, in, in a pig pen, which is a poor place to be. But really, if you're a Jewish person. And it says that he comes to his senses, that his dad's house is better than this. But I want you to see this point. Is The point that I'm making is, through your losses, allow God to love you. But through your losses, allowing God to love you, don't go back with low expectations, because that's what the thief comes to do. Still kill and destroy you. So when you come back, you're saying, God, I messed up. As you come back, you start at least by saying, you know, I don't think the Father's going to love me like he used to. And that's exactly what the, the expectations of the son was. I, I can be a servant. But I love the story because the father's amazed at seeing his son and blows his expectations or his son's expectations out of the water. Why? Through his actions of his love. I think the part that all of it is amazing and I probably could say this is my favorite part and this is my favorite part and this is my favorite part because it's all one A, B, C, D. They're all my favorite. But the part that I just, I, I, I can't sometimes even read the story and get to the part where his father sees him at a distance and goes running. You don't have to be very creative to know that the father is looking for his son on a daily basis. And I believe that he's expecting his son to come home one day. Remember the point that I'm making. Through your losses, allow God to love you. Sin always takes your expectations away the guilt and the shame. Let me tell you, all that extinguishes the hope that the Father still loves you. But this passage again in this sermon I'm preaching is, that's when you're blessed. Again, a blessed life is living with the understanding that God loves you and He chose you. There's a day that comes where you make him personal Lord and Savior of your life and you choose him. But before you do that, remember, come on now, remember, he chose you first. Look at the fourth one. Live a life of contentment. Look at verse 5. It says you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. The more, no more, no less, that's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything 
that can't be bought. A few weeks ago, we talked about the things that come in, you know, and, and make the word of God unfruitful. The, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches, riches and the, uh, the, dis or the desires for everything else. All those things that come in and choke out the word of God. And there's something about the mindset that when you advance in this world as a believer, and I'm not against the thought that God wants us to advance, but the mindset that advancing in God means that there's an anxiousness that has to be, kind of a, a, a constant worry that you're not where you should be or, or that you're not measuring up or you know that you, you, your identity is not enough. God says, no, 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 no. That, that's not true because I made you my masterpieces. And I predestined for you to do good works even before the foundations of the earth. To live a life of contentment goes against the United States kind of culture, but also it goes against the work ethics that a lot of us have been raised in, which I'm not against somebody that's hard worker. But understanding you working harder isn't making God love you anymore. It's okay. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. There's a story in the Bible of two sisters. And Jesus goes over just to really be with them. And their brother, Lazarus. Their name's Mary and Martha. And one of the sisters is hard working in the kitchen and preparing for the lunch, which has to be done, and it is not criticized that she's doing that. But the, the teaching lesson of the moment was her other sister, or her sister Mary, was at the feet of Jesus, or he, she was there intent on listening and learning what he had to say. Martha working got to the place where she was exasperated. She says, tell her to come help me. And Jesus said, Martha, she's chosen the better thing to do. Now, let me, let me get this straight, that a lot of times in your life, you know as well as me, you get up in the morning and you have a to-do list and you keep going. And when you get home, some of us, when we get home and we sit down, we still could be doing some other things, if it's for ladies' housework, men might be out mowing the yard. You got to do it this week, so you might as well be doing it. And there's always a chopping of the feet to keep busy. That can boil over into your belief system that you always have to be doing something for God or He doesn't love you. And living a contented life of what God can do in and through you goes right out the window. Let, let me read this that puts us in the mindset of what Jesus wants for us in this whole mindset. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, look at this. And, and if it's not on, I don't know if I have it on your notes, but look, read this with me. Are you tired? Some of you go, amen, I'm tired. I'm just tired. Well, good, this is for you. Are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Does that sound good to anybody beside me? Ooh. Let's look at the last one. Number five is develop a hunger and thirst for God. I want you to see that all those words in that sentence are important, but the first one, develop. See, because all of us might have the desire, all of us might have the knowledge that's important, but sometimes as we've gone, you know, this is months ago, we talked about atomic habits and doing the little thing, just a little thing over a long amount of time that makes a huge difference. Little thing. Well, I, I, you know, I, I just do a little thing and develop, again, develop a hunger and thirst. Look what it says in verse 6. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Some of you have heard C.S. Lewis. Let me read you a quote. He says, Hunger would be absurd if there was no such thing as food. (laughs) Thirst would be absurd if there was no such thing as water. Loneliness would be absurd if there was no possibility in satisfying the yearning in a relationship with another human being. Then he makes the point. The desire to find God would be absurd if he did not exist. Every person was created to have a relationship with God. And that void for a non-believer, they constantly try to fill that void with everything under the sun until they realize nothing is going to scratch that itch or nothing's going to fill that void in their life until they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When, when I think about John chapter 4 and the woman at the well, you know, here she has tried to fill the void with relationships in, in men in her life. And even now, the one that she's living with wasn't her husband. When Jesus gave her the understanding that I can give you water that you'll thirst no more, I'm sure she was skeptical. Because she said, you didn't even bring a bucket. But when she got a revelation and began the revelation of the relationship that she could have with Jesus as the Messiah, it changed her life. Can I encourage you that have been in the church or in the faith for 20, 30, 50, 60 years to just begin to say to yourself, let me start a new day. Let me, let me start fresh tomorrow morning, if not right now. And what I mean by that is developing a relationship with Jesus Christ in things that you haven't done to this point, that you go on a hunt. You could even call it a safari to try to find out what is the thing that I could do on a regular basis just to develop a close relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you might need to spend 10 minutes a day. That's more than you've ever done in 30 years as a believer. 10 minutes a day with God. Just spending time alone with God. 
But let me tell you, here's another thing. Is some of you have been so blessed in developing a relationship with Jesus Christ and proven in yourself the lordship of Jesus Christ is being a giver. And that is to find a need and meet it. Some of you could serve in a soup kitchen. <laughs> Pastor, don't go there. I'm going there. But you know what? Sometimes a giver is just asking when you talk to somebody, what is it that you need in your life? And some of us don't want to ask that because we have what they're going to say. And you thought I'm thinking money. But it could be something in their life that they don't have any clue that God has already brought you through that, which again puts you in a developing a relationship and a hunger for God. Let me read that verse again. In Psalms 27, verse 8, it says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. This morning, as I in this message, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And, and what I want you to understand is being a, in a blessed situation in your life, first of all and foremost, is seeing the Lordship of Jesus Christ working in and through your life. That means when the, His authority is questioned, that you say, God, I yield to your wisdom. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a few minutes as our worship team comes. This morning where you're sitting, God has equipped you with everything necessary. And we talked about that. He has equipped us and he has resourced us. He has blessed us to do every good work. And as we go through this series of being a blessing and why we're a blessing is because we're blessed. that we allow the Lordship of Jesus Christ to speak to us. That instead of the person that's constantly in need, that we get to the place that we're blessed and we're meeting the needs of other people that are in and around us. Father, today, the people that are here, the God that have heard your voice, the Father that knows the need that's in their life, God, I just pray. Father, that we choose you. That we choose just to be with you. Just to develop a relationship with you. And Father, being close to you, that God, that they would put into place, God, what you've spoken over their life. That God, that they would begin to understand. Father, that they're here for a purpose that they pray that, God, that you'd be gracious to them and bless them and have your face shine upon them. Why? So that those people on this earth may know and do your ways. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. This morning, I would like to have you just respond in worship and then I'll, I'll lead us in taking the Lord's Supper together. But would you just right now where you're at, just close your eyes. If you know the words, sing this song. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. This morning is you have been given the little container that has the bread and the juice in it. If you did not receive one, if you'll keep your hand up, I'm sure our ushers can find you and supply you with one of those. This morning as we do this, we do this every first week of the month. And the reason is to remind us of the covenant, the agreement that Jesus gave us the night before he was betrayed. It's called a covenant. And in a minute, we're going to take the wafer of bread that represents the body of Christ and the juice that represents the blood of Christ. And it reminds us that the, the, 
the willingness of God because of the love of God for you and for me. The, the, the understanding that by his stripes we are healed, that those that are sick among us can be healed, we believe that. We believe that he sent his son to heal our diseases. There is nothing too hard for God. And when we get to a place where we're going, you know what, all these things, are they possible for me? This is why we do this, the Lord's Supper, every every month. Why? To, again, remind us of the goodness of our God. So there's something that this morning maybe that you're believing, God, because I saw all the people with problems <laughs> raise their hand. I had mine up. And here's what I want us to realize that that gives us a, puts us in a, being a candidate for a miracle in our lives. And the reason that we're able is because of what Christ did for us on the cross and forgiving our sins. So this morning, this message is living the blessed life. For me, I'll just give you mine. We've had a retail building for lease for going on, well, four, four and a half years. And I'm believing that God's going to bring a, a tenant this year. Amen? Good. We'll be in agreement with that. And there's something that you're going through right now in your life, and we're going to believe with you as we take the Lord's Supper again, reminding us of the covenant, the agreement that we have with God. This morning, if you'll take the bread with me, the Bible says that he took the bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which I've given for you. Do you realize? He did, nobody took it from him. He gave it. This morning, let's take the bread together. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. He took the cup and he said, This is my blood. I give it to you. This morning, what is it that you're believing for? If you're not in good health, maybe mentally, physically, even spiritually, that we believe by His stripes we're healed. I pray for healing today. Let's take the cup together. Would you stand with me? As we sing this again with the lights down, nobody look around, just again respond, say, God, I want to spend time with you.